Welcome to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. We want to help you to know God, find freedom, and discover your divine purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith. Lots of things we're celebrating today. We're celebrating Juneteenth and Father's Day. And, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma. I am a white boy. What you see is what you get, all right? I didn't know, honestly, you know, I didn't know a lot about Juneteenth until recently, and I began studying and reading about it, and I'm so thankful for those opportunities. You know, I, um, I, I, we all have different experiences and experienced different things growing up and in different ways, and, um, you know, I, I felt it's important for us as a church um, to, cha- to continue to change the course of history. It used to be said that the most segregated hour of the week was Sunday morning. Not anymore. No longer. You know, I think that's what's interesting about Juneteenth. Um, if you look up the history, which there's a lot of things out there about it, it dates back to 1865. Um, on June 19th, which is today, at 1865, the Union Army uh, was led by General Gordon Granger. He landed in Galveston, Texas, to declare the freedom that had already been established by President Lincoln two and a half years earlier uh, in the Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation um, uh, at the end of the Civil War. And, um, you know, uh, what's interesting about that is that, you know, January 1st, 1863, the, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, declaring freedom for every person in America, that slavery was abolished. It, it could not exist in our country anymore. But it took two and a half years for the word of freedom to travel and get to people that had been set free. You know, and um, we can't change history. We don't pretend that it doesn't exist, but what a terrible stain in our history as, as, as a nation, as people, that it took a battle between people to determine if we could value somebody who doesn't look like me, that we could be standing shoulder to shoulder as one people. Treated the same, right? What a, you know, that, what a terrible thing that it took two and a half years extra for people to hear the message of freedom and be able to live in freedom. And, you know, I, I think it's significant. There's so many parallels in this story as we celebrate Juneteenth. It's not a celebration of, of one ethnicity. It's a celebration of American history, right? And at the same time, we see this. There's so many parallels between the, the, this, this process of freedom in our nation and the process of freedom in our own lives with Jesus. Like you, you can't not see the parallels because so often, you know, Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago for our freedom. And yet we live years and years of our lives like we're not free, and it takes someone coming and declaring a message of freedom that you've already been set free from the debt and the weight of sin, and yet so often we continue to live in sin. And I'm here to declare to you today, there is freedom in your life in Jesus Christ. Just as all those years ago where people were set free from slavery and bondage, you are set free as well. Come on, somebody. So we're celebrating as a nation today. I'm so thankful that our president declared this a federal national holiday, Juneteenth, so that we could celebrate all together. And listen, I'm just here to declare death to racism. There is no racism in God. 
It cannot exist in his presence because God is love. Love is I lay down self for someone else. You know, God created all of us, red, yellow, black, and white. Come on, purple and everywhere in between. And I'm just, I'm just telling you that, uh, you know, as long as I have a say-so in this church, we are going to do everything in our power to raise people up of all ethnicities, of all backgrounds, and help people to excel. Come on, somebody. We're going to do our best to make sure that this church, I can't speak for other churches, I can speak for this one, that this church does our best to always give a, people a glimpse of heaven. Did you know in heaven you aren't going to be standing in the white choir section or the black choir section or the Hispanic choir section? There is one section. You're going to be standing next to some people of different skin colors and all different kinds of things in heaven because we will be there for one purpose, and that is to worship and bring glory to God. We're, so we're going to be there. The scripture describes the scene. Thousands upon thousands of people there. The multitudes, the nations, all languages, all tongues, all skin colors there will be there all together worshiping Jesus. And so I believe the church on the earth should look like, should give a picture, a glimpse, a glimmer of what heaven will be like. Come on. That is our goal. And so if, the, if you ever come in and you look around and the church only looks like you, that's a problem. If the church only ever looks like me, it's a problem. That's why I'll never stop saying this is not a white church. Please don't classify the church based on me. This is not a black church. It's not a Hispanic church. This is a church for Jesus. And this is for a, peop- a church for people who want to just be closer to him and grow to know him more and more. Amen. So we're celebrating freedom today, but we're also celebrating dads. Come on. Um, you know, um, me and my dad have this thing where we always just tell each other dad jokes. And so um, I just tell dad jokes all the time. And so I'm just going to share some dad jokes with you. Is that okay? I believe church should be enjoyed and not endured. And so I hope you have some fun today. Um, and so I just, I, I just want to share some, some jokes with you. And as I was preparing just everything this week, I just had this realization. Did you know that nothing starts with N and ends with G? Some of you will get that on the way home. Okay, we'll do a traditional joke. How about that? What did the duck say when he bought some chapstick? Just go ahead and put it on my bill. <laughs> Don't like that one either. Okay, let's try a Bible joke since we're in church. Why couldn't the animals play cards when they were on the ark? Well, because Noah was always standing out on the deck. <laughs> there we go. Okay, I found the rhythm now. Like You guys like the Bible jokes. Jesus juke, you know. Um, what about this one? What word becomes shorter when you add two letters to it? Short. You guys. I was at home the other day, and my wife, Pastor Heather, she said, we go to the store, get six cans of Sprite. Okay, so I go to the store, you know, and I get home, and I realized I picked seven up. <laughs> <laughs> Then I walked in the door with the seven up, and she says, you really need to stop impersonating flamingos, so I had to put my foot down. And, <laughs> uh, two, of my favorite, two of my favorite jokes um, that I've told for years and years and years is that I get requests for these from people all the time, so I hope you enjoy them. One sunny, beautiful Florida day, there was two snakes out on the road, going down the road together. And the one snake looks at the other one and he says, are we poisonous snakes? And the other snake looks back at him and is like, what do I look like, a Wikipedia? You know, I don't know. He says, I just bit my lip. Uh, 
Here's the other one. There's two sausages in a pan. They're cooking. Right? They're cooking. And one sausage says, man, it's hot in here. The other sausage looks at him and says, you can talk? Okay, here's my last one. What's the difference between a hippo and a zippo? <laughs> a hippo and a zippo. What's the difference between a hippo and a zippo? One's a little heavy and one's a little lighter. Come on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, it's just fun sometimes, you know. Praise the Lord. Okay, one more. You convinced me. Did you all hear about the T-Rex who, was, uh, who, who sold guns? Oh, he was a small arms dealer. Okay. That's the last one. <laughs> That's the last one. A lot can be said about dads. You know, dads are awesome um, fathers. The truth is, at some point, all of us have had a dad. We wouldn't be here without our dads or our moms. But at the same time, I recognize that we all have had different father experiences. Some good, some bad, some absent, or whatever else, and everywhere in between. We've all had different experiences, and you know, I believe God gave us fathers to be a glimpse of what he was like. And yet, so often, as people, we fail. Nobody gets it perfect. Even if you had the best dad, he messed up at some point. None of us get it right. And so that's why I'm so thankful that we can come to our heavenly father, the only perfect father, for healing, for strengthening, so that we can continue to grow and learn what it means to be a leader. To You know, as men, you know, it was being a father, being a man, you know, uh, it was never about getting your own way. It was never about getting things the way you wanted all the time. Being a father and a man is never about demanding things of other people or being able to say whatever you want because of whatever. The strongest dads, the strongest men that I know are the ones who are the quickest to repent. The strongest dads and men that I know are the ones who choose humility over pride. The ones that I know that are the strongest men are the ones that will come and serve before anybody else. Come on, that's really what it means to sacrifice self to serve somebody else. That's what it means to be a man of God, to be a real father, a real man. And so men, today's your day, you're getting called up. I'm calling us up to the big leagues, you know? Men, come on, get up early. Spend time in prayer. Go to church on days called Sunday. Bring your family with you. Sit near the front. You know what I'm saying? Take notes. Bring your Bible. Lift your hands in worship. Give generously. Serve every chance you get. Love fiercely. Come on, use your words to celebrate your family. Use your words to build others up and not to tear down. Defend and protect those you have influence over. Right? Here's an important one. Have fun. Enjoy being with your family. Spend time together. Be strong. Be bold. Be humble. Be gentle. This is the way. Come on. This is how we raise our families. This is how we raise a generation to know the voice of God, to love him, to be passionate about his word, and to be passionate about the things of God. And I'm just glad to be surrounded by a group of men. Come on. A group of men who are passionate about these kind of things, passionate to know God deeply, passionate to be good fathers, godly men who invest in their families and invest in others, building people up. I'm also thankful for spiritual dads. 
Come on. Those are people who, you know, are, are dads to people they're not blood related to, who will show up at youth, show up at kids' church, and be a spiritual dad to, people, to kids who don't have a dad in their home. I grew up, you know, my parents were divorced when I was little, and so I was raised by a single mom. And so I'm so thankful for the spiritual dads who showed up to children's church every week and spoke into my life, who taught me what it was like to serve, who helped me when I was struggling. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm so thankful for spiritual dads in this place. And I'm calling us, come on, if you are a dad, if you are a man, if you are a woman in this place, you can rise up to be a spiritual mom, a spiritual dad, because there is a generation that is looking for what it means to be a father. They're looking for someone to invest into them. And when the church is silent, Disney and Nickelodeon and all everything else out there is more than glad to fill the gap. We've got to rise up and be the ones who say, you know what, I might not got it all together. I don't know everything, but I can show up. I can be faithful. I can be there. You need someone to show up at your game, I'll be there, and I'll be the loudest voice cheering you on. You need a shoulder to cry on, mine's right here. Come on. You need a hug. You need someone to say, I'm proud of you. You're doing a great job. Someone to, hey, correct you. Hey, that's not how we treat people. I'll be there. I'll show up. Come on. It's time to show up. Too often we sit back and we criticize, oh, this generation, they're terrible. They're going to hell in a handbasket, blah, blah, blah. And we're sitting on the sideline. The biggest critics are the sideline people. But God called us to be in the game. God called us to be the ones making a difference. So come on, this is, it's time to get in the game. Um, so that's not even my message today, praise the Lord. <laughs> but it's Father's Day, come on. Where's all my men at? We got some bacon in us now. We got, we got some, some flowing in us. Everybody got some bacon? Anybody get that million-dollar bacon? Jesus is Lord. Thank you, Father. Today, the word of the Lord is learning to be led by the Spirit. If we're going to be, if we're going to show up and be there for a generation, we need to be led by the Spirit. Come on. If we're going to show up and lead our families, we're, we need to be led by the Spirit. There are so many voices in our world today. There is so much chaos and things out there, different alternatives to everything, that if we are not led by the Spirit of God, it can be incredibly easy to become deceived. No wonder the Bible says, in the last days, many will be deceived. Not a few. He says, many. And I'm... Like, that catches my attention because I don't want to end up being deceived. See, when I'm deceived, I believe something that's not true, and I think it's true. I believed a lie as though it was truth. And so if we're going to grow in wisdom, if we're going to grow in the things of God, then we've got to learn to be led by the Spirit of God. One of the things that um, I love to do, and um, I've made a spiritual discipline in my life, is to read a chapter of Proverbs every day. Um, whatever day of the month it is, today's the 19th, I read the 19th chapter of Proverbs. What's great about that is that it's a, a, an easy and an effective way to begin just reading the Bible every day, just to get it in my daily routine. And Proverbs is great because it is the book about learning wisdom, growing in wisdom. And I, and I started this discipline because I, I recognized I needed some wisdom, anybody else? <laughs> I needed to learn some things. And, and actually, in the very first uh, few verses of Proverbs, King Solomon wrote much of Proverbs. He was the son of King David. And he says in those first few verses, he says, I'm writing to you to teach you wisdom, to teach you instruction, and he says to teach you discipline. 
to teach us discipline. How, sometimes we need discipline. We need to be corrected. And so he says, I'm writing to you. And what's interesting is you begin to read throughout the book multiple times throughout the chapters of Proverbs. He says, my son, my daughter, listen to my words. Grab a hold of them. One, one reference, he says, put them around your neck. Take them with you everywhere you go, like you would wear jewelry or a necklace. Take my words. Listen to wisdom. Listen to my instructions. Keep them in your heart. He says it so many times all throughout Proverbs, almost as if he's pleading with us to grab a hold of his words, to pay attention, to mind them, because he says in them we find life. In them we find the blessing, the leading of God, that God leads us and directs us through his words. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, he actually says it this way. He says, a man will make his plans his own way, but the Lord directs his steps. The Lord directs his steps. So we can do, plan out our life, can have our dreams and the things we want to accomplish and all that kind of stuff, our desires. But listen, those who are willing to grab a hold of the wisdom of God that is available, if we're willing to pay attention to his word and apply it to our life, he says, not only will we grow in wisdom, but he says, then the Lord actually begins to direct, order our steps, tell us which way to go so that we can get through life and avoid some of the pitfalls. Isn't that good to know that we can actually learn to be led by the Spirit of God? We can learn to allow him to lead and guide and direct our lives? It's good, good for us. Like we can, we can do some things, but God knows best. Um, being led by the Spirit is, <laughs> you know, in our world will be essential. It will always be needed in our lives. And in order for us to be led by the Spirit, we're going to have to learn to hear the voice of God. We're going to have to learn to distinguish between was that God and was that something else? Or else it'll be real easy then to be led by something else. That's why so many people are led by their feelings. Because they haven't learned to hear the voice of God and distinguish was that God or was that just an emotion I felt in a minute and made a decision based on a temporary emotion or based upon something somebody else said, or some other podcast, or whatever other thing it was, we've got to learn to recognize the voice of God. Here's the good news, is that God is already speaking to you. He was speaking to you this morning when you got up. He's been speaking to you while you've been here, while you're driving on the road. God is a speaking God. He's speaking all the time. It just matters, are we listening? Are we tuned in? Have we heard his voice? And I want to give you a promise uh, that Jesus said, John chapter 10, verse 27. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. Uh, Jesus is actually speaking. And not only do we, d does God speak, but Jesus gave us this promise so that we would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God would speak to us and we would be able to hear him. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I can hear God speaking. Yeah. It's not wishful thinking. It's not for the spiritually elite. This is for everybody. This is a promise. Jesus said these words, John 10, 27. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep, my sons and daughters, people who are followers of Jesus. He said, they know me. I speak to them. They know my voice and they follow me. So here's the promise from God. You can know the voice of God. You can hear God speaking when he's speaking to you, and you can follow what he's calling you to do. So not only did God promise to speak to you, he told you that you would be able to hear him, and he said, I'm going to give you the ability to do what I've asked you to do. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? God is not going to ask you to do something that he's not going to give you the ability to do it. It will stretch you. 
It will require you to take steps of faith. Yes, come on. But you have the ability within you. You are capable of so much more than you realize. Some of us are capable of so much more than how we've been doing and what we've been living. If you are a follower of Christ, you can actively be hearing the voice of God and following what he's spoken to us to do. So if we're going to start to hear and learn the voice of God to be led by his spirit. It begins in this place of believing that you can hear the voice of God. So many Christians don't believe that they can hear the voice of God. You know, uh, the Bible says the spirit of faith is I believe and therefore I speak. So if you want to know what you really believe, then listen to yourself and what you say, because that will be evidence of what you really have faith in. And some people be like, well, I hope God would speak to me. I mean, I, I've been praying, but I just don't know. Well, they're not really, they don't really believe that God would speak to them. They just said it. They're hoping. They're, they're a wishing. He might. You know, I don't know if God listens to my prayers. I'll, I mean, I tried everything else. I guess all we can do is pray. What? You have direct access to the creator, the possessor of heaven and earth. Why would communication with him be all the last resort that we got? No. When you believe and you understand that you can hear from God and that he's interested in what's going on in your life and has some more wisdom and direction than you can get on your own, then, man, that's the first place you run to. Come on. We've got to begin to change our believing, you know, and... If that's where you are, I just encourage you this week, just begin to like take the scripture that Jesus said, John 10, 27. I love to personalize scripture. Begin to speak it over your life until you begin to believe it. I am a follower of Jesus. I am a son or a daughter of God. I hear and I know his voice and I follow what he says to me to do. Some of us just need to start speaking that over ourselves this week and over our children rather than shouting all the other things we've been shouting and nothing has changed for the good. What if we just start speaking the word of God instead? Then you'll begin to see some results that you're hoping to see. Just begin to speak that over yourself. I hear the voice of God. He leads me. I follow him. I believe God wants to speak to us in the little and the big. Did you know God is concerned about all just the little details of life that don't really matter much? It's just true. Um, when, uh, a while back, I was getting ready to go speak somewhere, and I, uh, I brought my change of clothes because I knew I had to do some, some work beforehand and I was going to be sweaty because it was hot like today. So I brought my nice clothes, packed my bag. I got my shoes in there and everything I needed. And I just had this, uh, this, this bring an extra belt. It's crazy. I, I'm wearing a belt. I'm good. I don't need to bring an extra belt. And I just, it just came to me again, bring an extra belt. I don't need to bring an extra belt. And guess what? Didn't bring the belt. So then I, I'm getting ready, did the work, I'm getting changed. I go to put my belt back on. And do you know that the pieces of the buckle literally like fall into like six pieces in my hand? And I'm standing there and the Lord speaks to me again and he says, I thought you were going to bring that extra belt. <laughs> that is something that doesn't really matter that much, having an extra belt. But I mean, I just tell you like, 
I believe in like look good, feel good, preach good. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so uh, something about, you know, when you got that belt and everything's working together, you just kind of walk with a little different thing, you know. And so I was just like, Lord, you cared about that silly thing about me that if I felt better, I might preach 10% better or whatever. You know, you cared enough to, to give me some wisdom if I was listening and was willing to do what you said. I believe God is concerned about the big and he's concerned about the small. And so I'm just learning in my life to lean into the voice of the Spirit of God inside of me so that I can be led by His Spirit in all things. Let me hear you say all things. All things. Because God is good. God is just good. He is that good that He can handle your need for a belt and need for world peace and hunger and all that kind of stuff. Like God got it. God's got it, right? Let me show you another promise of how God speaks to us. Psalms chapter 32, verse 8. God says, I will instruct you and teach you, here it is, in the way you should go. So God is, again, saying, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to direct you in the, the way that you should go so you're not going to get astray. You're not going to go off track. And so let me just ask you, what is God currently teaching and instructing you in? That's a good question for us. And I just encourage you this week to begin to take a few moments and say, Okay, God, what are you instructing me in? What are you trying to teach me this week? Sometimes, you know, God is trying to teach us patience, and that's why we're having so many opportunities for the need for patience. <laughs> Sometimes that's how God speaks to us, is that, you know, we're like, yeah, that was, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit a few weeks ago, and, um, you know, that's one area I need to grow in is patience. Anybody else? Like, I, don't, I just don't like the waiting, you know. I, don't, I just want to get there already. I just want, and so, you know, um, it just never fails that anytime I, uh, you know, I'm leaning into, okay, I'm going to grow in my patience. You know, patience comes when I need it the most. <laughs> uh, and so uh, sometimes God speaks that way. Um, remember, God desires, his, his desire is to speak to his kids. He wants to speak to you. Just like when you see your kids and you want to speak to them. When you see your family and it's, you know, you want to talk to them and you want to hear about their day, you want to tell them about your day and then they say something oh, uh, about something that happened at school and then what? You want to kind of speak something to them to help them so that they can grow and handle a situation better or understand what that was really. God wants to speak to us and direct us and instruct us the same way. You know, and so we've got to be tuned into a spirit. The, the words hear or, or listen, that, that word that's kind of translated that way, is referenced in the Bible 690 times about us hearing, about us listening. Um, just for some, some contrast, prayer, talking to God, is only talked about 160 times. Faith is mentioned 246 times. One of the main themes, overarching theme of the entire Bible from cover to cover, the love of God is only mentioned 496 times. But here, listen, is, is talked about 690 times. Those things are all important, but obviously God wants us to be listening, to hear, and that's why he put these two things on the side of your head called ears, and he gave you two, and he gave you one mouth. We can do the math. Come on. We need to be listening. This is a promise from God. We would hear his voice that we could be led by him. But maybe you're in that place where you feel like I'm not hearing from God. Huh? I'm not being led by God. There are obstacles to hearing from God in this life. So let's talk about a few. Is that good? Some obstacles to hearing from God, to being led by his spirit. The first one would just be simply not listening. And that's the obvious one, right? Uh, and if, if we're not hearing God, we're not listening to him. 
so many times people complain about God's not speaking to them. They don't have enough direction. They don't have wisdom. They, they don't have peace or clarity or whatever. And when you get down to brass tacks, they never take time to spend time in God's presence. They never spend time with him. Um, let me say it this way. God doesn't want to continually compete with all the voices in your life. He, you know, he's, it says that he's a jealous God. He says, I, I, I will have no other gods before me. So when we put everything else before him, then he's like, no. And then we wonder, what's going on? Like, God, I, but I carved out these 10 minutes for you. And God's like, I gave you 24 hours in this day. And you can only, give, you know, like, it's not guilt, but it's just like, it's just sometimes we just need to recognize, like, Oh, and have a perspective shift in how we're investing the time that's been given and entrusted to us. You know, life is short. Life is just so short. If we really want to learn to be led by the Spirit of God, then we have to start listening to Him. We have to get in the posture of listening. And let me say, listening involves more than silence. It involves focus. Um, I learned this when I first got married to my wife. Uh, this year will be 19 years. And, uh, you know, I married up when I married my wife, Pastor Heather. So thankful for her. Um, but when we first were married, um, I would be watching the game or I'd be playing, you know, Madden football on the PlayStation or whatever. And she would want to talk because we were newlyweds. And so, okay, yeah, let's talk. I'll just mute this and just keep talking and just and I just learned real quickly that just silence and just listening does not equal listening. It did not involve my focus onto what was being said. And how many of y'all know, because I wasn't focused on the conversation, I missed a lot of what was being said. If we want to hear God's voice, it's going to involve us listening and focusing on, his, on him speaking to us, right? So many times we act that way with God. We're like, God, okay. I'm listening, but we're really, we're really not focused on him and what he's saying. Another part of listening is listening with an open mind. And I don't mean an open mind to all the things in our world. I mean an open mind to what God would say to us. Uh, have you ever been talking to somebody or in a conversation and you're having the dialogue and you can tell their mind is already made up, doesn't matter what anybody says, they're going to stay where they think. And what happens? Kind of kills the conversation, right? Kind of pointless then at that point. I'm just kind of wasting my breath. But so many, so many Christians, that's their prayer time. They've already decided how God should act, who he should be, when he should act in their lives, and how he should do it. And God is like, hey, um, you're not in charge. I am. <laughs> Tell somebody sitting beside you, it's time to listen. Yeah, come on. The truth is, when I don't understand or agree something that God has said, it's not him who needs to change. It's me. And we've just got to realign ourselves, posture our hearts this way to say, God, more of you, less of me. What do you want through me? Here's another obstacle to not being led by the Spirit of God, not hearing his voice. It's not trusting. Not trusting him. A lot of people only want to follow God when everything works out good for them, when, there's, um, when things are comfortable, um, when, when they don't have to be as, as committed, when God just does everything. I, you know, that's one of the things that, that's out there these days is I can just kick back and God's just going to do it all. Do you know how God does things? 
through people. Do you know how ministry is spelled? W-O-R-K. Work. You want to see your family changed? You know, it's going to take W-O-R-K. Work. You want to see yourself living in purpose? It's going to require W-O-R-K and a little bit of sweat from your brow. It's going to take you growing and improving and getting out of your comfort zone and doing something that requires more faith because anybody can sit in the Barker lounger and be the Monday morning quarterback in the things of God. But God moves through people. God blesses people through people. And so we just got to realize that We've got to get involved in what God is doing. It takes trust. It takes trust. And that's what faith really is, is, is trust, is, is believing that we, even when we haven't seen the answer yet, even when we don't see things working out, is setting my belief, setting my position before the, I see the results. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says it this way, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So there's the promise again. God's going to make our path straight. He's going to order our steps. He's going to provide wisdom and direction for us. But notice the sequence of the promise. It requires something from us before the direction, the wisdom is there. He says, first, you need to learn to trust him more. You need to put more of yourself into him and trust yourself less. Trust what you can figure out, what you can see with these eyes, less. Trust putting all the pieces together in what makes sense, less. He says, and submit to him. One translation says, acknowledge him in everything. And he says, then he'll direct your path. Well, there is a progressional thing to God's word. Trust is required before you see the path directed. Many people today aren't trusting God because they're full of fear or doubt or their own opinions or self-righteousness or pride. But those things will only serve to block the voice of God in our lives. We won't be able to hear him clearly. To trust is to act in confidence. And the action of confidence is, really comes through experience. I brought this chair with me today. Anybody sat in a chair before? Y'all are sitting in a chair right now. What's interesting about sitting in a chair is that I don't even think twice about it. When you walked into service today, you probably didn't even think, is this chair going to hold me up? What if I sit and it doesn't hold me up? No, what do we do? We just walk up and we sit down. Like, but the first time I ever sat in a chair, I didn't have that trust because I had no experience. The first time I ever sat in a chair, yeah, I was a little kid. I, I was a, a toddler, and I had to learn to sit. How did I learn to sit in a chair? Well, I had to trust someone else's experience. I had to trust those around me that when they were speaking, the authority in my life, my parents, uh, th those authorities, I had to trust that when they said, sit down, it will hold you up. I had to trust their voice that said it would hold me up. I had to trust their experience that when they sat down and it held them up, that it will hold me up too. And it's the same when we come to God. When we first come to know God, we don't know him. And so how do we trust him? We trust him because of experience, but it's not our own. It's somebody else's experience who says, you know what? I know you've been trying and life has fallen apart. Life has been difficult. You're like, whatever it is. But if you will come to God and give him your life, when I gave my life to Christ, 
things radically change this way. And so we hear somebody else's trust in God. And so then we're able to say, okay, if it worked for you, it might work for me. Maybe I can trust God too. And we saw God's faithfulness in somebody else's life. We saw God's goodness in someone else's life because the Bible says it's God's goodness that draws people to repentance. So when we see the goodness of God in somebody else and we say, what is it that God is doing in your life? I was able to trust what God did in them to be able to trust him too. But then the longer that I began to know God, the older that I got, I learned to trust the chair on my own. Now nobody has to convince me this chair will hold me up. I've sat in enough chairs. I've had enough experience. I've seen y'all sit in these chairs every week. I have some experience, some things I can base my trust upon. And it's the same with God. Now that I've known God for a season, for some time, and I've been in his word, I've been in his presence, I've experienced his goodness for myself. I've experienced the moments when, when I was down and he picked me up. I've experienced his cleansing and making me new. I've experienced his faithfulness when I didn't have any food or finances for my family and he provided in miracle ways. I learned some trust because of my experience with him. And so now I can trust him more than I did yesterday because of the things that I've been through. I've seen his faithfulness and I can trust him more. So how do I then trust him more in the future? See, trust always involves that moment where it could fall apart. Because, I don't know, you probably, I mean, I love those funny videos on Instagram where people fall and do all that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe that's bad, but it, it just cracks me up. And sometimes people sit in a chair that's broken. You ever seen those? Or maybe you've experienced that. If you have, I'm sorry. Um, but sometimes we sit in a chair that's broken, and what happens? We fall. Right? See, learning to trust God is through experience. It's through those moments. Because a, a chair falls doesn't mean that God fell off his throne. Sometimes we allow doubt in. See, it's not the chair's fault that would cause me to say, mm, I don't know if this chair is gonna be able to hold me up. It's not the chair's fault. That's in me. I've allowed something to pollute my experience. I've allowed something then to pollute what I know to be true about this chair that it was made to hold me up and it will be able to hold me up. And sometimes when we're struggling hearing from God, it's not because God is not speaking. It's because we've allowed something to pollute our trust. We've allowed something to get us to back away from trust. And God is saying, hey, if you really want to be led by my spirit, if you really want direction, if you really want clarity, if you really want to be, move, be moving forward, then it's going to require an increasing amount of trust. Come on, we've got to get to this place where we learn to trust God more through more experience, through stretching our faith. It's always going to require something more of us to increase our trust. You can't stay where you are and increase your trust. I can look at this chair all day and never sit in it. Sure, I trust the chair. But I'll never really fully settle within me that this chair can hold me until I do something about it and sit in it. Until I really get beyond where I was, that's when my trust grows. Come on, we gotta begin to trust God, break past some barriers. More trust given equals more understanding, more direction. Um, here's another obstacle. By the way, this is not an exhaustive list of obstacles, but just a few in the time that we have today. Uh, another obstacle is just not serving God. 
I know that seems obvious, but sometimes uh, people aren't serving God and then they're complaining about how God doesn't speak to them. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, sometimes it's things that we allow in our lives. Maybe it's a secret sin or, or we carry guilt around or we've been carrying unforgiveness. Um, you know, sin separates us from God, right? Maybe we've been serving something other than God, um, serving our own ambitions, serving our own pride, serving money, success, whatever it is cultural ideals, we have to realize that it will be difficult to hear God if someone is not serving him with their whole heart, right? Here's the good news, though. You get to decide how you serve God. You get to decide what you serve in your life. Um, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2, it says this, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. In other words, it's never too far, it's never too late. God can reach you wherever you are. He says, Nor is his ear too dull to hear. That means God hears when we pray. He says, but your iniquities, your sins, the decisions you've made have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden you from his face so that he does not hear you. See, we have to recognize sometimes just so easily and quietly we can get drawn away. And sometimes without even realizing it, we start serving something else. Maybe it's not even something that's sin or bad, but it, it's sometimes it's something that's good, but it's not what God has for us. And without even realizing it, we begin to flip the script and begin to think that's what I should be living for. When in fact, we should be living for God. Before we assign blame to God that he's not listening, we have to take responsibility for the choices and decisions that we make. I love the turnaround of this. Though if sin separates us from God, look at Jeremiah 29, 13. God is speaking and he says, if you seek me, he says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Isn't that good to know? That when we seek him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our resource, everything that we have, he says, you will find me. That's a good promise right there. You will find the presence of God in your life. But it's almost the opposite is true too. If we don't seek him with all of our heart, with our whole lives, then we won't find him. And then it's no wonder why there's so many unhappy, empty Christians in the body of Christ because they haven't come to that point of surrender where they're really seeking him with their own, their whole heart. They're, they're still reserving the things, God, I'll give you this, but I'm not going to give you this. God, I'll seek you here, but don't tell me not to live with my boyfriend or girlfriend, right? You know, God, I'll seek you here, but, but don't tell me I need to give him my resources. God, I'll seek you with this, but don't tell me that... What, so often we reserve the parts and then we wonder, God, where are you? When well, we got to get to the point where we're seeking him with all of our heart. And God puts the ball in our court. He's not a bully. He's not going to bust the door down and be like, oh, you're going to seek me. No, he says, here, here's the way to seek me. Seek me with everything and then you'll find me. Not only did he put the ball in our court, but then he gave us the map of how to find him and, and the way to find him so that we could get to that place. It's an invitation for us to be in his presence. So what do we do? We serve God with all that we have. We serve him with everything in our house. We serve him with all of our energy. We serve him with our words, with our thoughts. We try to, we don't serve God alone. We don't try to serve him just a little bit on the weekends and hope the rest of it works out. No, we serve him every day. I serve, we serve him with everything under our authority. We serve him with our body, with our marriage, with our family, with our time, with our finances, our strength, our energy, everything. We serve God with everything and we find him. If we want to be led by his spirit, we're going to have to get to this place where we serve him with everything. If those are the obstacles, what are some ways that can teach us to grow in hearing the voice of God so that we can be led by the spirit? Isn't that good? Are you, uh, is this good today? 
Okay, I want to give us three practical things that we can put into practice in our life that are going to help us to be led by God's spirit and hear his voice. Number one, God speaks through his word. If we want to hear the voice of God, he speaks to us every day. We have the opportunity to hear directly from God as we read his word. It's called God's word because he, it's his word to us. Second Timothy says that all scripture is God-breathed, God-inspired. So yes, people wrote down the words, okay? But God inspired them. God moved on their hearts and they wrote as God inspired them. It is God-inspired word. He says he's given it to us to correct us, to teach us, to help us to grow in wisdom so that we would be equipped and ready for everything. God's word is for us, so he speaks to us. So let me encourage you, value your time in the word of God. If you were in the word of God yesterday, then that was good for yesterday, but it wasn't enough for today. You need a fresh word. You need fresh manna for today. You need something from God in here for this life today. When we read God's word, it's full of his will for our lives. It's full of his promise. It's full of his direction. And if we will begin to read it and receive it by faith, it will begin to produce in our lives. Psalms 119 verse 105 says your word is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path skip down to verse uh, 133 psalms 119 the longest chapter in the bible he says direct my footsteps according to whatever is on the news tonight direct my footsteps according to how i feel about the economy direct my steps according to who got voted into office No, what does he say? Direct my footsteps according to your word, according to the Bible, Scripture. So let me ask you, what is directing your steps? If we're having difficulty hearing the voice of God and being led by his spirit, well, here's a great way to begin to hear his voice and begin to be led by him is to get in his word. Spend a little bit of time. If you're like me, get up in the morning, read a chapter of Proverbs. Come on, that's a great way to let wisdom grow in you, to begin that daily habit, that discipline. And listen, if you miss a day, don't miss two. There's not guilt in it. It's just that I recognize, like, I need this in my life, you know. And don't, you know, sometimes when we start reading the Bible, people are like, well, I got to catch up from yesterday. That's fine, but listen, don't worry about that. Just start where you are today. (laughs) It's still called today. Start today. God speaks through his word. And but sometimes, you know, I wonder if if God's word is speaking to us, sometimes that can be a little like churchy phrase. You know what I mean? Like, um, I've never had my Bible like start talking to me like, Chris, this is what the Lord says. (laughs) Has anybody ever had that happen? No. Oh, somebody raised their hand. <laughs> My Bible's never done that. It's, this, is an, this is an inanimate object. But what does it mean that the word of God is alive and powerful? Like it doesn't grow legs and start dancing around, you know. It doesn't do that. So what does it mean the word of God speaks to me? Like I've been reading in my Bible, maybe you have too, and, and sometimes I'll come across a scripture and be like, whoa, that's good. That verse right there. When that happens to you, that's God speaking to you through his word. So stop right there. Get a pen out, get a highlighter, underline. It is okay to write in your Bible. This is not a museum piece, okay? This is the word of God. It's, it, it, it's with you. It's meant to become part of you, precious to you. Mine's getting 
beat up because everywhere I go, it's with me. I encourage you, take yours with me. And I got one on my phone. I got the YouVersion Bible app for free. And I don't know how many translations is on there. You know, sometimes I'll be reading a scripture that I've read a thousand times, you know, and I, and I've, I know what's in there. But then one day I read it and be like, when did you put those words in there? That was never there before. You know what I'm saying? Anybody ever had that? That is God speaking to you through his word. And then what happens is in those moments then throughout your day, you know, it'll come back to you in weird times. You'll be at the water cooler like, and the, the scripture will come back to your mind. And like, that's not just by accident. That's not your memory just happening. That's the Holy Spirit working in you, bringing back the words of Jesus to you. Right? That, and, and so what happens? Well, then I begin to recognize God was speaking to me through his word. Uh, you know, so many times, even in services here, God will speak to you through a scripture, something that you've been believing God for. And then he speaks to you through that. God speaks through his word, you know Here's another one. God speaks to us through his spirit. So God speaks to us through his word, but he also speaks to us through his spirit. When you became a Christian, God gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's already yours. I know many people are trying to push him away or pretend like the Holy Spirit is for the crazy Pentecostals, but that's not it. Uh, when you read the words of Jesus, when you read the Bible, he says this is coming for every believer because he was going to heaven. So he said the gift of the Father is coming to be with you on the earth. The Holy Spirit is the representation of the Trinity on the earth with us. It is the gift of God in us to help us not to be spooky, not to be weird, not to be whatever other people make it. God is not weird. People are weird. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our comforter. And there's so many disturbed and depressed Christians because they haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to comfort them. They've turned to so many other things. Come on. But God is near to us. So many people feel like, oh, if God's going to speak to me, he's this far off voice and it's going to be, you know, like this booming voice because it's coming from so far. But no, God is with you. He is near you. Emmanuel, the spirit is in you. I want you to see John chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus is speaking. Um, and actually, if you, if you want to know more about the Holy Spirit and what Jesus actually said the Holy Spirit would do in our lives, uh, Jesus kind of gives a master class on the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16. I encourage you, maybe that's a good place to start reading this week. But here in John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus is speaking, and, and he kind of gives us one of the assignments or the jobs that the Holy Spirit will do in our lives. He says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. So there is the guide again. There's the promise from God that I'm going to guide you through some things because you don't know the way to go because life's going to get crazy. I'm going to guide you through it. He says, he will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. So one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to speak directly to you what he hears from the Father. Jesus just said it. So at all times, the Holy Spirit is in you just ready like I got something to tell you from the Father. God speaks to us through his spirit. And we've got to learn to recognize the voice of the spirit. The voice of the spirit speaking to you, it, it, it's not like the random thoughts that pop into your head like, did I close the garage? There's a difference between a random thought and something from the Holy Spirit that's kind of deep within that says, hey, close the garage. Right? 
The voice of the Holy Spirit is different than the random thoughts. It's different than the pizza I ate at 2 a.m., you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's not that. The voice of the Holy Spirit is from something within, from something deep inside of you. The voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit, you'll know it because it produces peace. It doesn't produce chaos. It doesn't produce condemnation to push you down. The voice of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, he will convict us of sin. But conviction brings us to repentance. God, I'm so sorry I sinned against you. Thank you for restoring me, right? Uh, Oral Roberts said this about the Holy Spirit. He said, the voice of the Holy Spirit is the smallest and the loudest voice you'll ever hear. And that's so true. It's the smallest and the loudest voice. It's this, it's this voice inside of you. It's this kind of gentle nudge inside of you. You know, it's like my story I told earlier, like, hey, bring that extra belt. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes I don't know why. But if I will learn to lean into that voice and say, okay, God, was that you? I think that was you speaking to me. Then I can learn to be led by his spirit. Sometimes I don't know why. I don't know the reason. I've been in, in places and times where I felt, don't turn down that street, go this way. But God, this is the shortest way. No, go the other way. Okay. And I never know why sometimes, but God can see a bigger picture. Miss Stacy and I were talking last week after service, and she gave me this beautiful illustration. I told her I was going to steal it, so I, she already knew. But sometimes our, we need to realize, like, our relationship with God, the way God speaks to us is we're on the ground, but God is, like, he's in a helicopter. Anybody ever listen to talk radio, and they give you the, the news, and they can see all that's going on? God has got this helicopter view of life in all that is coming our way and the direction that we're going. But we're just on the ground. We're just standing here and our field of view is very limited. I can see a little ways, but I can't see everything that's on ahead. But the one up in the helicopter can see what's on ahead and the trouble. And if I would just go this way instead of this way, if I would just say this instead of this, if, then it will lead me around some trouble and I can get to where I'm going. This is our relationship with God. If we'll learn to trust him and trust that still, small voice. So many times in my life, that's how the voice of God was described, was the still, small voice. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. I want to show you in scripture where that comes from. It's 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. Elijah, the prophet, is in the mountains. He's coming to receive a message from God. He's coming to talk to God, right? So he's we could say Elijah's in a posture of prayer. He's coming, God, I've got these, these problems in my life. I need you. I need you to speak to me, God, right? And the Lord speaks to me. He says, go out and stand on the mountain, Elijah, in the presence of God, for I'm about to pass by. So in other words, I'm about to show up with the answer you need, Elijah. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Then the wind... After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, a still, small voice. See, learning to hear the voice of God, there's all kinds of voices out there. Loud things, big obvious things, everything coming at us, but the Lord is not in those things. The Lord's voice sounds like the still, small voice. That's why he says, be still and know that I am God, because when I'm still, 
I can hear the whisper. When I'm just going, going, going all the time, it's going to be real hard to hear the voice of God, to be led by His Spirit, because all I can do is respond to all the things that I hear. We've got to begin to slow down, to, to, real, to recognize the things that are fighting for our attention, that God is still speaking today in a still, small voice on the inside of us, and learning to hear Him is a process. Much like spending time with another person and you learn to hear their voice, the more time that you spend to them with them, then you can begin to not only know their voice, but then you can kind of begin to complete each other's sentences and kind of know like, oh, I know they wouldn't like this. I, I kind of think this is what they would say. You begin to know a person on a deeper level, the more you begin to spend time with them. What if we got to the point with God where, you know, have you ever had that friend or maybe with your spouse when they call you, and you pick up the phone and they just say, hey, you know their voice. And they know your voice by nothing other than the sound of your voice. What if we got to know God's voice that way? When he spoke, we were like, hey, God, you know, beginning to learn to know his voice that way, that gentle whisper that's inside of you. I mean, and it is a process. It doesn't just come all in one day. When when you go back in 1 Samuel chapter 3, when the prophet Samuel, one of the great prophets of Israel, he had to learn to hear the voice of God. When he was a little boy, God spoke to him three times in an audible voice, like out loud, Samuel, you know, called to him. And Samuel did not know the voice of God. He was serving God. He was in the house of God, but did not know the voice of God. He, he heard it, but he did not recognize God that was you. And he runs to the prophet Eli and says, hey, what do you want? And he says, that wasn't me. Three times until he was able to learn, until he received instruction to say, this is God's voice speaking to you. When he speaks to you, say, Lord, I'm ready. Speak to me. We've got to learn. And I'm telling you, if you will spend time alone in his presence, if you'll linger there in that quiet place when everything else kind of dies down. Thank you for listening to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We hope today's message helps you take another step closer to knowing God and finding freedom through his word.